G'day, welcome to the New Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Isaac Daly, a.k.a. Shrek. And, uh, jeepers, you are in a special place. This is the New Spirit Podcast, where we interview spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world and share their tips, tricks, experience with you guys right here for free anywhere you listen to a podcast. Today, Adam Molsky. He lives in Sydney, but he's from the UK. He's, uh, he's a wee bit of a vagabond. And uh, today's Veterans Vault is an absolute goldmine. If you haven't done a, a blue water trip before, then this could be what you're after. So Adam went out on a, his first blue water trip. It was an extended trip. There's a, a mad video I'm going to link up today in today's show notes as well. So if you head to noobspirit.com forward slash Adam, A-D-A-M, uh, I'll link up the videos and stuff we chat about today. But we go through what he learned, um, talk about the experience and and some of the takeaways he had from it and the recommendations he'd have for other people going out on their first um, blue water trip. So really cool episode today. Very different sort of character. So Adam Olsky, let's uh, we'll get into that in just a second. Before then, I had a couple of quick shout-outs. So the Colorado Parks and Wildlife um, are having these angler roundtable meetings, and basically um, spearfishers and like uh, rod and reel fishermen are treated differently in Colorado. So basically, Ryan's organising talks to try and lobby this sort of this board that oversees it to get more rights for Spiros in Colorado State. There's not too many Spiros there in the state. They, they're out, outnumbered like 10,000 to one. So, but anyway, I would encourage you to in, uh, email him, Ryan Konecki. So it's uh, R-K-O-E-N-E-K-E at spiritenv.com. I'll link it up in today's show notes. So if you come to newspirit.com forward slash Adam, I'll put in a little bit of a notice about what Ryan's asking. He's he's trying to get Spiros to write in an email basically to help lobby the government so that the laws that govern fishing for Spiros are as fair as they are for anglers. That's all it is, but they need a bit of a hand with it. So if you can lend a hand, I'd really appreciate it. Go to newspirit.com forward slash Adam and I'll link up some of those details in today's show notes. Uh, otherwise, I've got the North Florida shootout, which should be kicking off in a few days' time. It's at um, the captain's meeting is August 5th and 6th at Ancient City Brewing. Go to um, North FL, nor, uh, sorry, <clears throat> let me get this right, northflshootout.com to find out more. Fantastic comp. Uh, check it out, northflshootout.com. Review for the podcast. Love a good review. Here he is. The Pesky Halibut is his name, apparently. Uh, he says, I'm an American listener in California, and I love listening to Shrek and Turbo. They really have a passion for educating the new spear and have a great chemistry together when interviewing experts and characters in the sport. I love all the funny accents over in Australia and can never understand the fish species they're talking about because they all have different names. Keep up the good work, guys. Great show. Well, unfortunately, Turbo hasn't been with me for about 30-odd episodes, but... Um, Nevertheless, the show continues without him. I do miss the big fella um, and especially the banter. But um, anyway, the show rolls on. Um, what else have we got here? Flopper Apparel recently became a patron listener. If you want to, if you listen to the show all the time, you're a, you're a mad keen Spiro that loves the New Spiro podcast, I'd encourage you to go to patreon.com forward slash New Spiro and become a patron listener. Basically, you just pay like 2 5 or $10 for every episode and uh, it goes a long way. Every single dollar that goes in there goes to pay for spearfishing trips where I get to come out and interview people, go diving with listeners, maybe do a couple of interviews with listeners and just hang out in 
your part of the world and go diving. Hoping to do US next year. But anyway, Flopper Apparel recently became a a patron listener. He said, hey, man, sorry we couldn't donate more to the new Spirit Cause. Keep up the good work. It's keeping me entertained in my everyday job. Please check us out at flopperapparel.com. Uh, so cheers for that, boys. Um, also, 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. A couple of quick reviews and a couple of little critical insights too, which are quite good because maybe when I consider writing another 99 tips to get better at spearfishing, I can factor in some of this advice. So if you have some advice as well, don't be afraid. I, I'm all for a critical review. Tammy gives it four stars. Good read. She says, it's best for newbies, but the advice is relevant for all. I do wish I'd spoken a bit directly about shark management. Couple of references, but no direct advice. Nevertheless, a good read, sound advice. Antonio Flores says, valuable summary of tips, short, concise, and straight to the point. You can find hundreds of tips off Google searches, but in this book, the author summarizes many important ones and includes first-hand experiences with it from other watermen. Valuable information to have compiled in one book. So cheers for those reviews, guys, and um, some points to take on for the next book that gets written. Uh, another 99 tips to get better especially. If you can think of a better title, by all means, far away. Anyway, hey. Long intro today, but let's get into it. Adam Molsky, first time guide for blue water hunters. Let's hook in. That initial investment you make in your spearfishing gear does take a long time to often see fruit. It's expensive to get started, and that's why we've partnered up with spearfishing.com.au. You can head over to spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpirit to save money on equipment. It's a fantastic place to get started. They've got huge brands like Rob Allen, Rife, Picasso, Salvamar, Sporosub, Shea, Shark Shield and more. Not only do they have a huge range, but they've got 70 passionate people in store that can help you choosing the right equipment. It's a huge investment to get started spearfishing and whether you're in the process of buying your first bunch of equipment or you're wanting to upgrade one component of your gear like a wetsuit or a spear gun, spearfishing.com.au can help you. Use the code NoobSpero, save $20 on every purchase over 200 Thanks for supporting the NoobSpero podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au. So... Today, New Spirit Community, we're we're a bit spoiled. We've got Adam Molsky. We're going to cover off first blue water trip. And um, Adam is a very interesting character. He flies under the radar a little bit, but at the same time he doesn't because um, I went stalking on across the internet and found out quite a little bit about Adam. So it's uh, good to have you on the show, buddy. Yeah, uh, pleasure. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me on, mate. And um, you listened to two or three episodes apparently. <laughs> Mate, I reckon um, I reckon I've done every single episode bar the last two, um, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting to those two the New Zealand trips. But uh, yeah, mate, love them, oh, love what cool. you're doing. Cool. What was just? I mean, this is an aside, but um, what was your favourite episode? Because we've done a few Ooh, now. Good, good, yeah, good question. Um, no, I, I reckon I can give that one a go. So I think the uh, the Simon trip. Um, most recent episode was uh, was a good one. You know, anything anything to do with big big fish or uh, or kind of blue waters certainly was certainly um, you know my up my uh, league, and that's why I, I wanted to, to talk to you about the uh, the recent Coral Sea Cowboys trip. Man, it's a perfect theme for an episode. So um, first time because like I probably haven't done I haven't done a full first time blue water hunting trip up north and and that's definitely on my cards and so it's yep. right up my alley so it's good timing buddy yeah awesome look forward to it mm. 
Let's get into um, a little bit of your background. So you're from um, Scotland by the sounds of it. <laughs> Mate, good, uh, good try. I'm, I'm from I'm from London. Um, I'm a London boy. I'll see. There's no uh, there's no ocean near where I grew up. But um, yeah, I used to I used to go over to sort of North Devon, surf surf down there, and fell in love with uh, with surfing. Sort of in my my younger twenties, so nearly twenty years ago, and then end up moving to Australia as as a result. My love for love for the ocean, and and then kind of that's that's how. I end up progressing into, I say progressing, that's how I end up getting into to spearfishing, you know, just the, the flat days and uh, love for love for a bit of adventure, kind of nice little nice little marriage. Hmm. You've, you've had a bit of an intrepid background. Like on my little research there, I, I saw you had done a deep week. Um, talk, can you tell, mm. talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, man, that was fantastic. Um, so I did my my initial free dive course with Adam Stern and, and Dan Parsons in when did we do that in it was in Sydney hmm. and uh, yeah then he started doing the deep week and I think it might have been the second one he ever ran over in, in and we did it in Bali and mate what an experience that was you know you just got yeah you know, warm water crew of people who were just frothing to you know to dive and um, yeah what an amazing place to do it over on the, the east coast of Bali there. Yeah, amazing time. You know, I think everyone was kind of feeling more comfortable in the water. You know, it's probably less about the depths that people are doing. It's more just about being being comfortable in the water. And I, I know I certainly got a lot from that trip. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to go back over and do something once uh, sort of COVID-19 restrictions um, sort of lift. Mm. So having a week, like, just to hang out with people that like holding their breath and going diving every day. Um, yeah. Did that did that have long lasting effects on your on your diving, or was it just a, a good week out and um and you just enjoyed it for what it was? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think yes and no. It had long lasting effects in the sense that I learned I learned things from mm. that. I been able to sort of take back into any environment. Um, you know, being able to kind of really control your your heart rate, and mental state was probably the biggest thing. Hmm. Um, and then the, the sort of the the you know the bit that you kind of can't take away too much is that when you're diving for a week as much as we did, you know, physiologically, I'm sure there's been some some changes there, uh, which then seem to revert back. You know, my first couple of dives back into Sydney after a two week break after deep week, you know, I think everything that I'd uh, physiologically gained had probably probably receded. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, men, men, mentally, it definitely took away a lot a lot from it. It's a cracking trip. Yeah, sweet. I think sometimes the, the the warm water, the warm tropical clear water, like it's fantastic for you know pushing yourself a little bit. And then you come back and you're in yeah. colder, dirtier conditions again, and um, maybe they don't seem to cross over as quickly. But yeah, it's it's just interesting to hear. Like recently in New Zealand, like I jumped in and and the water was very turbulent and it was a bit cooler than I was used to, and I was wearing a thicker wetsuit, and it it's not the same and uh, there's a period of adjustment there that you just have to respect and, and go through again which is um tough but i think when you're obsessed you just you just push through so so i mean I, my, my one kind of comment around um you know, going from that nice warm water deep week to sort of cooler green, greener sydney water was um you know the, the big thing for me was that you've got you've got 100 meter divers who are your instructors you know at the top of the line so you got you got adam stern absolute freak um, and then all of his crew that he had out there, I mean, they're all somewhere between 60 and 100 plus metre divers. Hmm. So you've got people like that who are kind of coming down on your, you know, my, my deepest dive, you know, I'm really kind of wanting to get to this 100 foot mark or 30 metre mark. And hmm. you know, for them, that 
for them that's not even a warm-up dive so mm-hmm. you've just got that com- that confidence that of uh, the, the capability of the instructors it's uh, for me that was the, the number one obviously when you're when you're diving with your buddy in uh you know cooler cooler water in sydney and you know your buddy might not be all eyes on you all the time um that's a completely different proposition yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that saying, you, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I guess like a week uh, in the company of people that are obsessed about freediving and they do this deeper diving, you know, it's cool to rub shoulders and, and, and parts of it probably rub off on yeah. you and on your mindset and, that, and that, that's more of the long-lasting stuff rather than physiological that's adaptation. Right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, 100%, yeah. You've um, you, You're going to underplay yourself, I feel, but you've, you've done competitive running, Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> well, you've I ran semi, that, but, but, semi seriously. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I did, um, I did compete for my country at age group level for triathlon. And hmm. um, yeah, you've, you've got good detective powers, uh, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it's my job <laughs> to dig it up. Cause, that one. Yeah. cause <laughs> I know what, I know what Poms and Aussies are like. There's the tall poppy syndrome. We don't like to talk about ourselves, but, um, but you, you, you know, you, so you've done triathlons and, and running, surfing, mountain biking, and, and you've, you've had a good crack at all of these things. Um, mm. when you started spearfishing seriously, did any of this stuff cross over or what crossed over for you yeah it's a good one so i mean i've um you know, i've played uh, football competitively as a kid and um you know i ended up doing sort of ironman triathlon in my older days and I've, I've sort of competitively boxed in my older days as well so in theory i've got this great kind of cardio <laughs> background which which, which 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 works works really well in those types of scenarios um but I've really not found that it's, it's helped me at all when it comes to spearfishing. <laughs> um, I'm right at the bottom of the pile when it comes to that. I've, um, you know, real kind of humbling where you know, I think about fighting, you know, you've, you kind of, you, you got to get yourself up for the, for the fight. You know, you, mm. you build yourself up in the fight camp, you get really fit and on the night, you know, it's all about revving yourself up. Spearfishing is the complete opposite. It's all about calming your nerves, making sure that your heart rate's as low as possible taking that big deep breath and i would have thought that that big kind of cardio engine that i've built up would, would help but honestly mate there's, there's a lot of guys I, I dive with you know they, they might not physically look like they're in the best shape you know but they might have like barrel chest and a big set of lungs inside them mm. mate they're diving much better than i am and mm. um yeah i'm i'm a you know a good dive for me in you know in sydney in fact anywhere i go you know i'm, I'm happy if i'm diving for a for a minute you know, is you know, I need to be efficient with my hunting, and mm. um, because even through deep week, even through lots of practice, you know, I, I'm not, mm. I'm not a two three minute diver like some of the guys that we'll get to on the coral sea trip. Um, so it's interesting the crossover or lack of. One thing I I really like on Luke Potts' video series is he he doesn't really stress too much about improving freediving performance he focuses on using your freediving window effectively and and hunting within that and planning a hunt accordingly and i think a minute a minute dive is a is a respectable dive to hunt 90 percent of the species that most sparrows target and um like i've I've met guys that shoot phenomenal fish in there there that'd be their that'd be their breath hold all every day of the week um yeah so, so there's nothing wrong with it with with minute dives, man. Um, um, so, so the 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 bulk of your spearfishing learning journey's been done in Sydney, though. Yeah, it has. I I um I took a job in, in Wollongong back in 2011. I I uh, 
guys working with down there put me put me in touch with spearfishing. It wasn't really something I knew too much about. And um, I bought my Rob Allen Sparry uh, 1100 and, uh, you know, went out with a, with a guy down there. And, and that's pretty much where it started. And then, you know, I probably dived, you know, probably less than a dozen times uh, up until two and a half years ago. And that's when everything changed, you know, joined the club, met, met, met a good guy in there. And next thing you know, you know, I'm diving sort of once, twice a week in, in true sort of fashion to my other hobbies. You know, I went full obsession and just, you know, really went hard at it and, uh, yeah, and loved it, loved it uh, to this day. Yeah, man, man. Have you, like being a man of many passions, have you had to cut some of the other ones off? <laughs> oh, so this is a good question. Um, <laughs> the reality is getting yeah. older. I, this is I this know. is. I'm asking you the question because this is the position I find myself in. The question, the thing is, my missus is downstairs. I need to be careful of how I answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, yeah, I think I have. You know, I, I'm. Uh, I need to get my adrenaline from somewhere. So I'm, I'm downhill mountain biking. That stayed. Um, I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not playing team sport. Spearfishing is kind of my, my water-based outlet as well as uh, surfing. So I'm surfing, mm. I'm spearfishing, I'm mountain biking. So I've kept mm. those three things. Don't mm. have kids yet. No, they probably won't be too far away. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to see what gets refined from there. Mm. Um, what part of Sydney are you in? Again, Wollongong. Northern Beaches. Northern no, Beaches. I've, I've been, okay. Yeah, I was only in Wollongong for a year. But yeah, no. Northern Beaches, Sydney, the last decade. So uh, that's home now. So what club are you part of? The North Shore Underwater Club, the Seahawks. So uh, JD is the chairman of that. I think you've, um, you may even have had uh, some comments from Adam Price, you know, in the past. Um, yeah. you know, in fact, he put me on to Noob Spiros. I think there's a quite a big following of our club on, on your channel. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, so one of the best things. In fact, probably, yeah. It would be one of the best things, if not the best thing that I did was uh, was join that club. And hmm. um, yeah, from from a from a perspective of dive buddies more than anything else, yeah, uh, yeah. just getting the breadth the, the breadth of um, experience and dive buddies, and yeah, you, know, you learn so much from different people, especially when you're new to it. Which uh, hmm. you know, I would say I was new to it two and a half years ago, even though I, I started in 2011. Hmm. You know, I, I really took took it up two and a half years ago. One thing I think that. Um that, that characterizes a lot of listeners and 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 I definitely yourself like um is this attitude of of sort of lifelong learning like this 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 idea that I've never made it there's always something around the corner for me um yeah with spearfishing um give us a run through of sort of like your progression and um some of the key yeah. key sort of lessons along the way yeah that's a that's a bloody great question it's a shame that one wasn't in the uh, the homework, mate. That's a uh, that's a cracker. the homework's just like I I, I, I honestly mate, there's like, nothing I'm, in the homework that we've covered yet. <laughs> I like just having a yarn these days, so like I like to get no, off not. the script a wee bit. Um, you know, even if you just focused in on on one of the one of the lessons you've learned, maybe in the recent year or so, um, something that's changed no. or revolutionised your diving. Yeah, no, I'm only winding up. Um, <laughs> but I think um, what's revolutionised my, re- my diving, I think for me, hands down, having a, a network of buddies that you can dive with through the club. Um, you know, I was I was really scratching the, the surface before uh, trying to find uh, people to dive with, you know, and, you know, before a, a certain event, which we'll no doubt cover in this podcast, um, 
I was diving, I was diving on my own. Mm. Uh, you know, most of my crew were surfers um, or, or other sports. And I didn't know that many Spiros. And so uh, joining the club was was hands down the, the thing that then you know, got me access to you know a hundred new new guys and you know, a couple of girls. And so that's probably the best <laughs> standout. <laughs> I love what you did there. It's so honest yeah, well, about spearfishing. It's like a couple of hundred guys and two girls. Well, we had we had none actually up until mm. very recently. So it's mm. it's good, you know, it's good to good to have a few of the girls uh, join mm. the club. Yeah. Um. You know, in, in terms in terms of progression, mate, I, I think um, just knowing more about fish species and um, equipment, you know. My learning curve has been really steep. I think in that kind of first few months, where you, you know, I'm asking my dog buddies, "Oh, what was that fish? What's this fish?" And next thing you know, that mate, that was a, that was a, that was a kingy. I was like, "Ah, oh, it's the first one I'd seen." You know, type thing. Mm. Um, you know, size limits. Um, you know, I'm kind of obsessed about kind of knowing everything about fish species and techniques and everything else. And you know, back to your point around lifelong learning. Geez, the uh, the ocean keeps you yeah, keeps you on your toes and that. There's there's never a dive where you don't learn. Mm. Um, and and that's I think yeah you, know, you you speak to experienced folks like um, yeah we've got a guy called Ted in the club he's you know he's been diving for you know, probably about eight years he's he's, uh, he's he's probably not that old but you know he's done about twenty nine coral sea trips and oh, um, wow. you know, that bloke he, even he learns you know bits and pieces uh, you know, and he's been diving that long. So the coral sea cowboys is that your crew? <laughs> yeah, mate. That's uh, that's. That was uh, that was our, our name. I, I named the, uh, the, the the gang of guys. There's six, sixteen of us, um, all mature underwater club players, mm. and that pretty much started there. My my dive buddy, Bretto Whalen, uh, cracking cracking fellow. He's he's been spearing and fishing his, his whole life. In fact, actually, his his young boy has just caught his first fish. I think he's two Spencer, and he's about to get him into spearing, no doubt, when he's uh, when he's able to in a couple of years. Mm. But he and I were just uh, bantering after a lobster dive one night. You know, just just come out of the water at like two in the morning or something. Yeah, he's a frother. Um, you know, so we we share that kind of passion. And so we were talking about Tonga, we were talking about you know di- these different trips that we could do. And he, I said, well, what about what about a coral sea trip? And he goes, yeah, I reckon I could um, could do that. And I was thinking, awesome. You know, the two of us would jump on this kind of boat and whatever. It's charter. And he goes, no, no, I reckon I could. I could get a whole crew. And um, this was earlier days for me. I didn't know too many folks in the spearfishing circle. And before you know it, we've got a crew. There's a there's a few of us kind of working out what's what. Mixing and I'm ordering t-shirts. I've got us budgies order. We've got stubby holders all with our little logo on it. And uh, <laughs> we're we're on the Eastern Voyager, steep, steaming out two days out uh, out to sea. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much um, how that trip uh, started. It, it wasn't hard to get it get it up and running. And geez, what a what an experience that was. That's magic. I watched the video the other day. There's 17 minutes there of just frothing coral sea footage, um, dog tooth, tuna, you got wahoo, sailfish. Um, you guys shoot a, a plethora of reefies as well. Uh, looked like yeah. a hell of a trip. Looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. Mate, it was so much fun. And actually, you know, back to the, the reefies, bloody hell, you know, we all came back with about 40 kilos of fish each. And, <laughs> and um what what good timing that was, you know, with um, with coronavirus, you know, we've we've all been able to kind of give fish away to you know, our local communities and you know people in our friends and family circles, you know, mm. uh, especially the older folks in my apartment block, they've they've certainly benefited from a few jobbies and some doggies. So yeah, it's uh, it was it was good good timing from that perspective. We've still got a little bit left. 
Fantastic. I'm going to link up the Coral Sea Cowboys video um, on YouTube in the show notes yeah, as well. Awesome. So if people go to yeah, noobspiro.com cool. forward slash Adam, um, they can watch the video as well. But um, it sets the stage neatly for um, – and I, and I want to get straight into it. The Veterans Vault. Um, we'll come back to some of the other questions in the in the homework that you did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to dig into this first time – Blue Water Hunters sort of um, advice or guide section. That would be fantastic. Um, yeah, cool. So you've, you've, you've planned this trip. You've got a, a bunch of crew. You you did what a lot of us do. You've got a T-shirt designed and, um, you know, because there are, there very much is this weird little thing that happens with a bunch of guys that go away on these dedicated trips. It's like you have your own little thing and it's what happens on – on, on trip kind of stays on trip there's this own little subculture around it so I get that that vibe that's that's pretty cool but um for you yourself going up there for a first time um what did your planning look like mate the the planning you know that's something I really enjoy thinking through and um I did I, I kind of really I really went through all of my gear um you know, many, many times over to make sure I was giving myself the best chance when I was up there. So we've got a guy in our local spear, spear, spear fishing shop, uh, Ash, he's, uh, he runs Extreme and he's been up there loads of times and shot 50 kilo wahoo. So I, I was kind of going into his, his shop and, you know, probably chewing his ear off, you know, every every weekend about uh, equipment. But, you know, I ended up landing uh, on taking three guns. So I had uh, a 120, which is my, my normal Sydney uh, gun, you know, double bands, um, woody. Uh, they're all coas, I should say. So all coa guns, all the same, all the same system, enclosed track, uh, all rigged up and break away. The next one was a one thirty, and then a, it's also double bands, uh, uh, and all those are sixteen mil bands. And then the, the third gun, the, the, the blue water gun, is a yeah, it's a one forty or sixty four, uh, six four inch uh, four band cannon. And uh, you know, that was my first time using that gun. We did a little bit of bit of pull testing beforehand. Oh, nice, nice. Fun, I was going to ask a little, that. Little bit of, yeah, a little bit of a funny story actually. There's, there's a shop near me in Monabelle, um, Dive Spear Sport. And so they've, they've got this tank, and I organised a lot of the crew to go and do their, their gun testing. And uh, you know, they, uh, it's all set up. You know, we've got slots. You know, the two people in the pool at the same time. And uh, you know, I've loaded up this this cannon. I've, I've you know. I've had kind of collecting dust for the last six months. You know, beautiful Koa uh, teak gun, and uh, you know, go go to go to pull the trigger. <laughs> and oh my god, I've nearly gone through the back of the um, the tank. You know, it's a brand new tank. Yeah, but the noise the noise it made. It's actually in the video you can hear it. The noise that it made. Oh bloody hell! And I was like, yeah, we need to change this because buddy nearly uh, nearly destroyed. But I don't know how many thousands of liters of water would have been in that tank, but it very nearly would have gone everywhere. <laughs> um, actually, funny story. Funny story that because we were we were gear testing all of our guns prior to the Coral Sea. This is like two weeks before, and um, Bretto's you know, he's kind of like organised the whole trip. You know, I get a little bit of credit, but he's, he did the most of it. Mm. And uh, mate, he couldn't hit the bloody target. The, tar- <laughs> the target is a is a stationary target, and it's it, and it is only set like three four meters away. Like in theory, he should just be getting balls off the balls off. Hey, he was testing his guns. He couldn't hit them. So what we've learned is that he can't hit stationary targets, but he stones every fish in the oh, coral wow. sea that he even, even looks at. The most bizarre scenario. Ah, uh, so this would be that. This would be that weird 
target shooting dichotomy. This is the, like guys try and sight down the barrel and they can't hit a barn door, but when they just aim and look at the fish and they triangulate and do that thing that we all seem to do, they hit whatever they're aiming at. Is that is that what you guys think it is? Well, I can tell you, for me, probably not. I think the, the, the target practice really helped for me. Okay. For him, 100%. Yeah. He's he stoned he stoned the GT he stoned the doggy I mean I, no one else stoned GTs and doggies on that trip mm-hmm. now, he rolled those fish um, yeah but he, he can't he can't he can't hit a one <laughs> a one meter square target mate. <laughs> from three meters away uh, <laughs> uh, Bressa I'm sure you're I'm sure you're listening to enjoy that one mate. yeah love it. That's a that's that's a real interesting observation. That's that's still a benefit though, isn't it? Like getting in the pool, even when you like that, even just shooting the gun in and getting used to how it, how it fires and stuff, and, and thinking a bit more yeah. about the mechanics of how you line up and shoot fish. I think that'd be a worthwhile activity. And and just getting used to the recoil of a cannon, for example, is <laughs> you know that's that that's something to you know to prepare yourself for. I mean, it's a four band. Now they're pretty tight bands as well. Four four bands um cannon, you know, that, that that does have a bit of kick. I mean it's a four four and a bit kilo gun. So I mean it, it does does hold it, but they look beautiful, those big coal timber guns. They look they look like <sighs> like art. Stunners. Um what yeah. made you go that that route rather than what's become sort of more you know, like it's become popular in recent years, even though rollers have been around a while, but the, the obviously the the roller guns. What made you go the the, the big traditional timber gun? Yeah, there's a lot of the boys, I reckon, it's probably about half and half on the trip, mm. uh, had, mm. had the rollers versus uh, traditional guns. Mm. And for me, mate, because it was my first trip, I two things. I wanted to stick with what I knew. So mm. I started out with traditional guns. You know, I hadn't, hadn't started out with a roller. I didn't want to go up there. You know, you have your two-day steam out and your two-day steam back. You know, there's no, there's no kind of spare parts out there. So I just yeah. wanted to keep it simple, what I was used to. You know, you can do all your rigging yourself. Um, uh, so that's probably my, my, my first kind of um, reason. And then the second reason was that all of my system is all the same now. So all my Koa guns, you know, I've even got a 110 Koa gun. So I've got four of them um, <laughs> for, for kind of d- dirty water in Sydney, like in yeah. pit water or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I just, I just, they all shoot the same. So they're all in closed track. They're all, I've rigged them all up as bait breaker, eh? Sorry, breakaway with the exception of that one ten, mm. um, and yes, I just kept the system the way I the way I like it and the way I'm used to. Yeah, right. So, with the exception of uh, so, oh, so with your pull testing, how accurate are you, and 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 how much, how well does it cross over for you? I'm more accurate than Bretta, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, how does it work? So, for me, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I think for me it it, it's, it was really helpful to see. I seemed to hit. I was hitting the just low right on the bullseye uh, on almost all of the guns I tested. Yeah, so okay. we're talking like maybe like a you know, a centimetre off of the oh, bullseye shit. down That's and right, awesome. down and right. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, see, yeah, let's, let's go back to Bretto again. While he's not even giving me a bit of shit. I mean, he wasn't even hitting the target. <laughs> so, um, so it, like, but it, it's good to know. Did, did, did I adjust it on the cold seat? You know, you know, once you're in the moment, I think you do a little bit of that kind of equalisation or balancing yourself. You know, you, you kind of you you, you adjust. Um, you know, my shot placement seems to be all right for the, on that trip. So. Mm. You make a good point. Like, when, you just want to trust your gun. 
and know mm. that your system and your process is as good as you can get it. And yes. if you have doubt, though, if you have doubt in the gun you're shooting, it makes you yeah. like like I've been in. I really don't want to bugger up a fish, so I'm overthinking it, and that's when that's when I bug a good fish up. So yeah, um, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been there, and that's why I'm stoked with my my four color guns because I, I trust them. They all shoot the same. My mm. system's the same. Nothing's mm. different. Every time I pick it up, doesn't matter which one it is. I know mm. what's going on. I know what's going on. Mm. I want to keep moving on, but just a quick question: Are you running a monofilament shooting line, or are you uh, doing yeah, the, the mono. new? Yep, sweet. Okay, yeah, cool. using mono. Yep. Some of the other guys are trying the other way, uh, you know, and like. I, I like the memory and stuff like that, but um, some people make an argument about the the clips and stuff, particularly when you're doing blue water. Um, mm. But super easy to replace shooting line. Um, you yep. can do it in the boat, pair of crimping pliers yep. and, and, and a lighter, and you're good to go. So, yep. um, okay. So, any part of the planning process we haven't covered? So you went over your gear with a fine tooth comb, um, tested yep. your spear yep. guns, got all that shit ready. Yeah, I think just you know, asking loads of people. I spoke to Simon Trip, you know, before the before the trip, and uh, no I kind of intended, and there were all these other people as well, just to work out, you know, what 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 are the little bits and pieces would you take, and you know, things like having a decent burly knife, you know, a big twelve inch burly knife on on the on the tinny, um, yeah, things like that. You know, really, really important. Um, yeah. You know, knowing knowing where to find doggies, how to find them, you know, just talking to loads of people. Um, that was that was pretty much my my preparation and watching loads of YouTube videos. You know, you can learn so much from, from watching people's experiences. You know, things that worked, things that didn't. And mm. yeah, so I, I think yeah, just heavy, heavy. I heavily researched it and just spoke to loads of people. Really. Yeah, sweet. And got All my right. froth on. Buying a set of spearfishing fins can be quite a huge decision when you finally decided to get off the plastic blades and head into either composites or carbon fiber you want to make sure that you're making the right decision i've got a couple of tips and pointers to you brought today brought to you by penetratorfins.com now when you buy a set of carbon fiber or composite fins you want to make sure that it's comfort paired with efficiency but you also want longevity out of it because it's a huge investment. Now, sometimes the lightest fin in the world may feel great, but think about what that fin's going to look like in three years of, of hardcore spearfishing use. Will the fin still be doing the job that you want it to in three years? Make sure also that you get exactly the right size foot pockets and wear the dive socks like when you try them on that you will be wearing with them in the pool in the ocean and that way you'll have a really good idea you don't want any slop or play in the pocket when you when you when you when you fit the pockets and when you make sure when you're buying it you want you want them tight but you don't want to restrict circulation either because you can all end up with all sorts of cramping issues getting that that the blade pocket partnership right is crucial as well if you head in if, or if you talk to Larry Gray at penetratorfins.com, he will not do you wrong. His before and after sales service is beyond compare, as is his warranty. It's Australian-made. You can't go wrong. Check it out, penetratorfins.com. If you do decide to purchase for a limited time only, it's a $25 off any set of fins, penetratorfins.com. Check them out. I've never heard of a spearfishing business where you could say, crikey, mate, to save some money. But nevertheless, here's a first. 
as usual, on the No Spiro podcast. Head into Killshot Spear Guns. They're in Ismarada in the Florida Keys. You can save $30 on a Killshot Spear Gun or 10% off freediving classes through to April 1st. Check it out, Killshot Spear Guns. So you get out there, you've got a mothership, you've steamed out for two yep. days, you've got your your um, your smaller boats that you're heading out on, you've got your little three or four person crew, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's right. There were four of us per, per tinny, so 16 of us in total, so it was four, four, um, four boats. Okay. And then from there, like, what's the plan? How, like, um, so you pull up at a location. How? What? What sort of radius around the mothership are you guys um, heading in? Are you all heading in different directions? What was the sort of the approach? <laughs> well, that's a good point. If you if you uh, if you spoke to the skipper of the Eastern Voyager, he, he might tell you a story where uh, one of our tinnies who will not be named uh, may have gone out of range of what you're supposed to stay within the, uh, the mothership, <laughs> and uh, we ended up we ended up losing losing them for uh, half a day. But uh, I'll put that one aside. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't good. Um, mm. So yeah, you, you're, you're staying within a few kilometres. I, I forget the radius. I think it might be about five k. But you know, you're always in sight, and we should be anyway. And um, we're you know a few a few k's away from the mothership. And you know, you, you're going out in the morning, you come back for a bit of lunch, you're going back out in the afternoon. So it's kind of like two two good sessions out there. You know, they can range anywhere between. And if you want to do it for an hour, you want to do it for four hours or five hours, it's entirely up to you. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, you know, we 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 would have spent sort of six, seven hours in the water each day. That's friggin' epic. Okay, yeah, it is. Yeah. So what? Are, what? Yeah, did mi- you I mix I mix it up as well. Sorry, mate. You go. Oh, yeah, you mix your crews up. No, sorry, we were going to say we we mixed up the diving. So like, yeah, blue water maybe in the morning, reef in the afternoon, or just kind of did half a blue water session and half half into the reef on the way back. Hmm. Um, so yeah, really mix it up, which was uh, which is really fun. The blue water stuff. Um, yeah. Did you enjoy it? Loved it, absolutely loved it. I mean, it's it it um it, it it takes a little while to to get used to, especially when you're yeah you know, you're used to say the headlands in Sydney. You now we've got it good, I guess. You know, a good day in Sydney is fifteen, eighteen meters. You know, bad days sort of five. You know, mm. there's nothing like what the guys in say the UK have. You know, if they get a five meter this day, they're, they're happy. Mm. Um, but the blue water, I mean. The days we had one day uh, where we did a drop, it was very a drift, and uh, it had that real kind of purple indigo kind of tinge to the water. You know, I don't know how you rate this um, after fifty meters, but we were in. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> yeah, we, we we were in uh, we were in like seventy meters of water, and you can see the sand. So that that's uh, that tells you something, isn't it? Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, that's freaking yeah. awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. So, what do I think about it? You know, insane. So many sharks up there. That was um, that was kind of one observation. Um, it's a completely different proposition to say diving in Sydney. Hmm. Uh, just always, always sharks around you. And the, the teamwork that you you require up there um, is it's really important for, for hmm. two reasons. What one to land fish, of course. And then we saw loads of good fish just get absolutely vaporized. I mean, my, my best doggy that I've ever put a spear into got, uh, got turned into vapor probably within about five seconds, all on film. Um, and then the other thing is just safety. You know, it's the, not just the sharks, but because people are diving in, in sort of good water, there's good fish, you know, you know you've got to keep an eye on each other. Mm. Um, so, yeah, 
three three in the water all time uh, for us, and there was obviously a uh, boated, which we okay. rotated. Okay, cool. So you have, if you're doing the blue water, how did the rolls work? So yeah, you, <clears throat> you basically just took it in turns to boaty, and um, mm. so everyone had did their fair share. You know, particularly if someone got a good fish that day, you know, they often put their hand up and play boaty for a big chunk of it to let boys have another a crack themselves. And then three people in the water, you know, only one person diving at one time. Um, we had uh, one person on, uh, on the flasher and then just the, another person sort of ready to put a second shot in if, if needed or just kind of just generally playing, um, you know, kind of like a safety role. But uh, yeah, only one, one diver two people watching and then just rotating around. It was, there was no real need to, to verbalize and communicate at all. You know, just had after the first, the first session, it was a, a well, well ordered machine after mm. that. And everyone, um, everyone had a great time. You know, I know some of the other tinnies, they did something slightly different. Um, I know the low bros, they, I mean, they did really well. They, they, they operate on just one blue water gun in the, in the, in the, in the three of them. Mm. And uh, there's just one, one person with that gun for that, that entire drift. Mm-hmm. And then they, they rotate it that way. So, you know, horses for courses and that worked for them and, and our system worked for us. It's just whatever works for the, mm-hmm. the four of you. You know, you've got to, got to communicate and agree up front. It's important. Mm-hmm. Hallmarks of a good dive buddy up there. Yeah. Keep keeping an eye on on, um, uh, on, on the sharks, uh, keeping an eye on you, diving, um, you know, not getting greedy if there's a, if there's a, you know, de- a decent a decent fish around and it's you know, not their not their turn. Um obviously if it's right next to them and someone else is out of range, it's a different story. But you know, just just having good froth and good and um good respect for each other and, mm. and we all knew, knew each other going up there, which really helps. You know, there was there was mm. you know, very little unknown about each other. Um so that trust is a hard thing to build, isn't it? You know, like sometimes it's good when you're out with a crew and you're like, Oh, I'm gonna do a, a really deep drop and I'm gonna spend some time there because I know my mate's going to be watching me when I get back to the service. You know, like you, you're, yep. you've got a hundred percent trust in each other. That 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 that's a thing that must be pretty hard to build. I'd, I'd imagine, mate. That's so important. And there was there were so many times there where you know your you dive buddies, you know, he's, he's he's got his eye on a fish or he's looking around, and you know you see a shark kind of stalking from below or, or behind him, and you kind of swim over and you kind of poke it away. I mean, you start building trust pretty quick up there, and you, mm. you've also done. T- Two very big days on the beers on the uh, on the steam out or, or on the trip up there. So I mean, there's, there's been some good banter before we've even got up there. Um, <laughs> not, not sure what we can and can't share, but um, yeah, it was uh, yeah. There's a good you got to have that good kind of tight crew mentality. That's for sure. Yeah, cool. All right. So, what was some of the advice um, for? So, like, I'd imagine you're you you know the maybe the skipper's giving you an idea of where you're going to be the next day um, if you're motoring somewhere. Um, so he's probably telling you about which grounds are good for what. But um, w- within the scope of that, um, how did your guys planning per tender or per tinny work out? So actually, the skipper basically went on went where we wanted to go uh, and we had ted we had ted up there with us to me as i said i think he's he's guided up there for decades and it was his 29th or 30th trip so i mean he he knew the ground really well i mean if you put that into days i mean that's like that's let's say that's about 300 days worth up there that's that's a that's a lot of time right so um we went where basically where he uh suggested and we kind of took a big kind of team vote but I think most people were, were happy to go with uh, his advice. Hmm. And then after that, you know, 
everyone's got their own little kind of tips and tricks around, you know, where's the current line? You know, what's the water looking like? Hmm. Uh, what's the wind doing on that day? What's the tide doing? And I think everyone kind of had their own little system where they winged it on their own tinny. Hmm. Um, and I think overall, you know, all tinnies did, uh, did, did about the same. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe one maybe one tinny did a little better than that. That wasn't that wasn't our one, by the way. It was uh, <laughs> it, pr- probably the one with uh, with um, Scotty and Judge, uh, Mikey and Timmy. They they, they they put some good fish. In fact, the low bros put out a good fish. In fact, ev- everyone had, yeah, everyone had a cracking hmm. a cracking hmm. uh, hole. Hmm. Okay, so takeaways like for for, for first timers, um, what did you what were some of the biggest things you learnt in your in that trip? There were there were probably only two or three of us who had never been up there, and um, mm. so there were three three blue water noobs, I'd say, out of sixteen. And um, for first thing, I would say to, to take away is, um, I know it's a cliche, everyone says it, but you you you've got to get used to the the clear water. Um, you know, you're, you're diving down on a, on a coral trout, and you think is thirty centimeters, and you get down there, and it's one point one meters. Um, you know. It, it, you lose a bit of the scale, yeah. Um, and you know, another one on the on the viz is you know coming up short. You know that certainly happened to me on a, on a wahoo. I think that was on the second day. It was a it was a decent size uh, fish. You know, somewhere around the sort of 30, 40 kilo mark. Um, and uh, man, I just saw my I saw my uh, my shaft uh, just about just give it a little poke on the on mm. his body and that, and that bounced back and I, th- I thought I was I thought I was pretty close you know everyone says you know get close to the fish and then see if you can start seeing sort of detail in the eye and etc get a little closer and then you're there and I thought I had done that and I hadn't so I think you need to learn that firsthand mm. and you need to learn learn that mistake so I think the, the water is, is is the first thing the second mm. thing is you've got to be you got to you got to get comfortable being around sharks very quickly and mm. um, you know, you, you've got to dive through them uh, often to get uh, down to the doggies. You know, and they're they're around you, and there's plenty of foot to do that in the in the movie. You know, where you kind of look back up, and there's still plenty of bronzies and other shark species sort of circling around you. Mm. So they're they're the sort of the first kind of key to, and then the third one is just you know knowing how to be a good um, a good dive buddy and a good uh, you know a good boaty and knowing how to play play a role. You know, so really just being a good team player. And then mm. my kind of key three things, and then the fourth one is just make sure you've got good gear. I mean, mm. dog two tuner, they will test, they will test your gear. And unless you've got, you know, good, good blue water float or floats, it's floats and a good system. You know, your mono's all nicely tidied and rigged. You know, and if it's got a little nick in it, change it um, straight after the dive, straight, straight shafts. Um, you know, you've got, you know, everything needs to be tip top up there. It's, 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 you can't, you can't really get away with the, uh, Second, you know, second rate gear. Hmm. With um, with dog tooth, like I've, I've chatted with a lot of guys about hunting them, and a lot of them have forgotten what it's like to hunt them for the first time. Um, mm. I'll be wondering if people should curb their expectations and and hunt a fish that's that's doable for them, because there's a lot of stories of guys getting towed up. You know, maybe trying to shoot a fifty or sixty kilo fish there on their first dog tooth, and oh, it just seems—it wow. seems to be like maybe should you just shoot a thirty? Like, and I'm not—I'm saying just shoot a thirty because a thirty kilo dog tooth is still a friggin' impressive fish. But you know, sh- it, 
is that something to think about? Like, if you're a first timer, are you better off not shooting? You know, the the future trophy that you're going to shoot. You know, maybe the next time you go or whatever. But should you just sort of curb curb your expectation a little bit and, and shoot something that's doable? Yes, that's a great point. I mean, you're in the moment. Let's say, and you you first time up there, first time seeing a doggy and a big one comes past, and let's say it's fifty kilos. Do you or don't you pull the trigger? I mean, that's that's uh, everyone's got their own sort of judgment call there. I mean, my, my own perspective is, you know, the first one I put a spear into on that trip landed, it was 15 kilos. I mean, it's, it's not a big doggy, but it's not, you know, not little. Hmm. Mate, it sunk two of my ocean hunts and three atmosphere floats. They were both blown <laughs> up to 40 PSI. <laughs> so, you know, you, to see that firsthand, you get, you get to appreciate the power of those things. Yeah. And the first thing that went through my mind after that was, if I was tangled in that line, I'm going down 30 yep. meters with that fish. Yeah. Um, and and that, as you know, that is a that's an awful outcome. So you know, I think there's something in that. You know, they they are not the same as a kingy. They are not the same as um, you know, any other fish that kind of you know, fights at the surface, clean fighting. They are something else. They they mm. will literally dive down to the deepest point, and if that is in 50 meters, 100 meters of water. If you've got tangling, you're, you're going with it. So <clears throat> I think it's a, I think it's a fair, a fair challenge. You know, I had utmost respect for those fish after I spent time around them and, and saw what they can do. Hmm. Um, if you know, t- if I was to answer your question, if if I was up there and I was going to, if I saw a fifty kilo fish, where I pull the trigger? And um, I think for me personally, I I, I say yes, I would. Um, but I. I now have the benefit of knowing what they're capable of. So I think that's the important thing yeah, is to educate yeah. people on what they can do. Cause I think a lot of people have got, got into a lot of trouble with that, with that type of species. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be, you know, what I've learned from having lots of conversations but having never done it myself. It's just that there are fish that deserves respect and, you know, like I was chatting with a guy earlier and, you know, he buggered up 10 before he landed one and um, yeah. sometimes you hear that and you cringe and you think, oh, shit, 10 fish to sharks or whatever it is but, you know, or you've wounded them and then those fish are they're gone. But that's the realities of it. They're, they're such a yeah. challenging fish to, to hunt by the sounds of it that's partly where my question comes from too it's like you know um do you go out and you know try and shoot a trophy of a lifetime on your first time or do you just be a bit more reasonable and like if if there's a school with 70 kilo fish in it um then the, and you're with other experienced guys then maybe they're the ones that are better off having that first dive on mm. that school and taking mm. those fish because they're capable of doing it maybe you're capable mm. of doing it i don't know maybe you get lucky but it, i don't know it's just something i've been thinking about a l- a lately because it is a bit of a team effort isn't it mm, absolutely Mate, most most of the doggies didn't get landed i mean it, I, don't, I don't know i mean i think a few people do sort of some percentage calculations on it, it varies between five and twenty percent of fish land like doggies landed up there um, I know from my own personal experience, um, I only landed one, yeah. and uh, you know, I count myself lucky because you know there's a lot of guys up there who didn't didn't land one on that trip. And there's mm. one one lad, Mikey. Mikey's he's done his that was his third trip, and um, he still hasn't put one on a boat because you know they're either getting getting shot, or usually getting sharked. Um, so that they are they're really ha- really hard fish to to land um, from the sharks' perspective, but also. Um, they will just rip themselves off as well, and it will lose your gear. You know, there's hundred hmm. reasons why that why they're hard. Yeah. How did you guys manage sharks? Um, do you swim down on it and try and fend sharks off? What's the What's the go? I think got a really 
sort of really observed the behaviour. It, it, it changed uh, in different scenarios for us. So there was uh, there was a time where I had an oceanic white tip come up near me, and the way I managed that was I got out of the water. <laughs> I got in the boat. Yeah. Um, there was a time where we had a five meter tiger near us. You know, it was really you know, peck fins were nice and high. You know, it wasn't being aggressive at all. It's just a little look from distance, no problem. Just keep an eye on it. There were times where reef sharks giving us a bit of bother, and sometimes that's to give them a little poke. The bronzies were the main issue up there. Um, lo- loads of bronzies. You know, sometimes there were twenty around us, um, and especially once they had sort of vaporized, for example, that bigger doggy that I, I shot um they just they all they all just came up from uh, from whatever it would have been 20 30 meters down and uh, just looked at us and just we were the next thing you know smashing the flasher coming up at the fins they're you know, poking them yeah just have to poke them away call the tinny over and um you know in one instance actually i think a few of the boys dropped their gear and just uh, just got into the boat and then you kind of pull all the gear in after um, mm. Which in hindsight is a smart thing to do because, mate, they 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 really were uh, they weren't playing ball at uh, on a couple of instances. So mm. yeah, but burley was another one. Um, yeah, pretty much always came in when we burleyed. But what do you do? I mean, the, you're trying to burley to bring the, uh, the sort of the blue water fish in. Um, so that's kind of catch twenty two that one. But they we definitely noticed when there was less burley, there were less sharks. But but there were always sharks. It wasn't mm. like there was a, ever a, a dive where we didn't see one. It was just whether or not you saw 20 aggro ones or whether you saw five, just have no look. Equalising, breath hold, relaxing, taking on depth. There's a ton of struggles every sparrow encounters. Every single person that does spearfishing has an obstacle. They have something that they're working on. They're always trying to get better. For me... Uh, at the moment, it's marksmanship. It's improving my aim. I don't, I don't like wounding fish. But if you are looking at the freediving side of things, you have either equalizing issues, you want to extend your breath hold, you have trouble relaxing, you don't know how to take on depth. These are very common. And Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving has put together a whole bunch of offerings for you. Check it out, newspirit.com forward slash Ted. There's a whole bunch of these uh, online courses that can be studied at your own pace from your phone, if you like, and uh, you can overcome your struggles. Just check it out, newspirit.com forward slash Ted. This episode of the Noob Sparrow Podcast is brought to you by the world's greatest spearfishing magazine, Spearing Magazine. There are news and reviews for the latest spearfishing equipment and gadgets inside. There's practical how-to and DIY type articles. There's spearing adventures from crazy noobers like you from all over the world. And uh, it's, it's a magazine that you can pick up or you can look at. And if you've got the digital subscription, you can flick through and let it inspire your next spearfishing adventure, even if you're having a dry run. Keep the stoke alive. Check it out at spearingmagazine.com. If you're away from the good old USA, though, check out the international subscription. That's at spearingmagazine.com. Man, that was neat. That was a cool section. I learned a um, shit ton. Was there anything else um, to cover off before we move on to a bit more of your spearfishing story? Nah, let's keep moving. Yeah, sick. Um, I'm going to be thinking about a few of those things, and I'll probably have some good questions um, <laughs> next time I talk to you. <laughs> but I'm flat out just processing what I've uh, what I've what I've been thinking about already. So, cheers for that. Um, 
All right, cool. Hey, we've 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 chatted exclusively, almost exclusively, about dog tooth and hunting them, which um, is a temptation of just about every podcast, I think, because um, they're such an intriguing fish, and everyone sort of they're on everyone's list. Um, but apart from dog tooth, what's your favourite species to hunt? Oh, king, kingfish, um, I love them. Uh, so in in Sydney, that's pretty much all I target. I'm I'm rarely in the shallows. Uh, I'm rarely rarely in the white water looking for, for anything other than uh, kings. Um, you know, obviously they're not the same as a doggy, but they, they've got similar properties and that they, they love a, a fight and they, they kind of fight dirty and go down. Hmm. Um, they're also quite rare. I mean, it's not like you see a king every dive in, in Sydney. It's, it's it's a bit of a privilege to see them. Yeah. Um, they're obviously not as hard to land as a doggy and you don't have the, the shark factor as much here, but they're, um, yeah, they're, I love eating them. Mrs. loves eating them. Uh, sashimi, all cooked, whatever, whichever way you do it. Mm. Um, beautiful. Okay. So um, how do you find them in Sydney? I mean, I'm not asking for your spots, but... Um, no, but, of course, yeah, all good. Yeah. Um, so I look for, obviously, look for bait. So wherever I see yakka, yellowtail, uh, scad, they're usually around, uh, especially if they're up high, so if the bait's up high, if the bait's kind of just hanging, low I've, I've often found that, uh, i haven't seen as many kings definitely around structure it's kind of like pinnacle structures around the headlands you know the the, the water movement around the, the pinnacles certainly seems to um have a few more kings around them often on the sat the, the sand line and the, and the reef where they where they join you know i very rarely see them over like just solely reef or um I've seen a few in the shallows, I guess. But yeah, solid sand. I do see a little bit over sand, but definitely where they, the sand line joins the, hmm. the reef parts. Um, and a, a flasher. They really do love a flasher. The one I've, the one I've made, and it's got like a knife jig at the bottom. It's got a 10 litre goon bag, a water goon bag kind of cut up, you know, that, the old buzz bomb trick. And then a, a couple of um, perspex mirrors and it seems to work. Yeah, okay. Um, what's your personal best Sydney king, uh, yellowtail kingfish? Mate, actually, I haven't landed a decent uh, king in Sydney. My best one's been New Zealand. Um, okay. Sydney, Sydney, around ten kilo mark. Okay, um, which isn't which isn't a, you know, a bad king for Sydney, but it certainly isn't a you know, full shepherd. I think got you got a thirty kilo uh, yeah. king in Sydney, which is which is a whopper for Sydney hmm. last year. Um, so the ten kilo one was that in a school? I mean, um, just tell us that story. It was a pair. Okay, it was a pair actually. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a pair. And um, yeah, there was uh, one time I've seen a school of probably twenty twenty five kilo models together wow. uh, off of one of the headlands on the northern beaches. I've only ever seen that once. Normally, I see the bigger bigger ones either on their own or in, in smaller groups. Mm. And we get we get big schools like 100, 200 schools of like rats and sort of um undersized kings um but no those those uh those those, those 10 kilos were um were just in a pair so were you on the bottom or were we on the um yeah uh, it was a pretty dirty day so kind of green green and a little bit kind of milky uh low light towards the end of the day um probably six seven meter viz but you know got a pretty cloudy kind of six seven meters uh, plenty of bait around. Felt fishy. Also felt a little sharky. And you know, down the bottom, standard kind of kingfish behaviour. Kind of there, you kind of stand still, and they come on in. 
for a look and uh, in they come and uh, there we go. Good night. And you smash one in the face with your spring yep. steel shaft and that's it. Then hold it up for Instagram. As, uh, as Jay, that's, <laughs> I don't have Instagram, but yeah, held up for Facebook. <laughs> that's for sure. As uh, as JD, the JD, the chairman of our club, calls it. It's, um, you know, he doesn't do much line fishing. He calls it say uh, an eight mil uh, straight hook. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So I mean, um, we talked a lot about tougher situation. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about dealing with sharks. Um, have you had any other sort of close encounters or near misses spearfishing? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd probably call out um, maybe a year and a bit ago. What were we in? Yeah, so February twenty nineteen. Um, I personally had just had a yeah a bit of an interesting scenario. I broke my finger mountain biking and had a surgery in hospital, and they basically gave me a toxic dose of drugs. Long story short, is I, I had to kind of lay off um, like anything too physical um, for for a period of time, a couple of months. And sure. when I was able to get back into stuff, um, the neurologist said to me, "You know, start start up some things that you know quite light and give you a bit of energy." So I forgot and. Um, called up uh, one of the guys in the club, young lad, 17-year-old, and said he would fancy a dive. Yeah, he was a bit of a, you know, bit of a gun diver, up-and-coming diver. We went to dive the Bower, a famous spot in um, in Sydney, and uh, you know, a few bronzes around. The viz was awesome. You know, conditions were perfect. 15-meter viz, blue water for Sydney anyway. And um, you know, uh, I shot a, a nice Benito, uh, sharks weren't, weren't weren't bothering us, and it's just it has perfect dives. You know, was, everything was good. Not much wind, not much swell. Tide was was perfect, just rising. Yeah, it's just wonderful. And um, you know, I've uh, I've um, stayed sort of nice and close to my dive buddy, and he's he's, he's come up and he's uh, he said to me, uh, "So there's a snapper down there." I said, "Yeah, how close you get to it, the size of it, you know that kind of jazz." Anyway, I got the quick debrief down. I went. And uh, you know, a famous little kind of uh, rock pinnacle there, and uh, I couldn't see it. So I ca- came up. You know, I'd probably I'd probably been down for 45, 50 seconds. Came up, and I said, "Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't see it." He just goes, he goes straight back down. He's down there. He's, he's down for you know, a minute, and and kind of still seeing him down there. And next thing you know, he's he's down there for two minutes. And you know, it's only my second time diving with him, so I you know I don't don't know his breath hold overly well. Mm. And I thought well, he's but he's a good diver, always, always pushing it. And um, anyway, long, long story short, he's, uh, he's on his way up, and uh, you know, and I can see he's got a red rocky, so it's not quite the um, not quite the snapper that he'd gone down for. But I'm giving him that huge jack. He's like, that's awesome underwater, and he's just kind of like looking at me and uh, like ignoring me. I'm like, oh, okay, he's uh, keep an eye on him, here. or um, you know, that, or he's just not really into the shackers mm. and uh, you know he's, he's hit the surface uh, really hard and he's then gone down at a 45 degree angle and yeah, he's dropping yeah. around like a, like a salmon so you know what's coming so he's he's, um, he's, he's blacked out and uh, you know luckily I've got well I've read you on the whole thing with film so I'll share this link with you as well because um, th- in fact I've, you did share it you, you did I've share seen this it. video when you started telling yeah. me the story I was like I'm pretty sure I've seen this video and um, yeah, yeah. It definitely Definitely did the rounds, which is which is good. Now, fair play to him. I mean, he was seventeen at the time. A very mature decision. I said to him, um, "In fact, I'll tell the story first before we get to that." Uh, he, um, <laughs> he, had, he had essentially blanked out. So I got to him, and um, you know, testament to the free dive training that Adam Stern and Dan Parsons uh, gave to me, sort of 
would have been a year or so before. Um, you know, I was able to 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 sort of bring bring him back by uh, sort of the the blow tap talk and you know, making sure that his airways were out of the water. You know, took his mask off, opened the airways, told him to breathe, tapped his face. You know, and just kind of just held him above water so that you know when he when he did eventually start breathing, he was he was he was good. Um, but um, yeah, if I hadn't had that kind of education and that experience from from Adam Stern and Dan. Um, oh, mate, I don't know what the outcome would have been. I wouldn't have known what to have done. You know, I need to take the mask off. I need, I knew what to say. I knew what to do. And mate, it's 20, 20 seconds, I think, when I look at that video from from start from where I rip his mask off, or when I when I grab him all the way through to when he comes back around. In twenty seconds, it's, it felt uh, in the moment really short, and it, and also in the moment it felt like a lifetime. You know, it's a really yeah. weird situation. Um, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, you know, I'm sure some people have got their own stories, hopefully um, as positive as this one. And um, you know, he, his first reaction was, uh, you know, what's that? What's that sound? You know, confused. And the next, last thing he remembered probably was putting his spear into a red rocky. And then, you know, he's got some sort of bloke he's only met a couple of times, so his face blowing on him and sort of telling him to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um with so a Brit- you know, that, that with, with me, a British accent too, that'd be even scary. <laughs> with a British accent, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Breathe, Peter, breathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And the, do you know what? The, the funny, the funny thing is, he mm. um, he fixates on the fact I'd lost his mask. Um, so yeah, mm. there's this state of confusion as well. So <clears throat> anyway, long story short, he he ended up staying. I got into hospital, swimming, swimming back, and. Um, you know, really good conditions, as I said. Managed to sort of take all his gear, get get him there uh, on the rock shelf, let him have a breather. Kind of very slowly paced, climb back up the cliff, I and mean, you've got to climb down a lot of cliffs to, to to spear. And then drove his car over to to the hospital, and uh, you know, technically technically drowned. He had, he had all this fluid in his lungs, so it sort of water in his lungs, which then got infected. They kept him overnight, and he and uh, you know, I think. His, his reflection was if he didn't go to hospital and didn't stay in there, he, he could have had, had a really bad turn. I've but heard about this, this say, secondary drowning or whatever. Is, that, is this part of what it is? Yeah. Yeah, so he had all this fluid in his lungs. So hmm. I forget the volume. It was, it, was a, it was a lot. It's like half a litre or something crazy. Holy shit. And, uh, yeah, and they had, they had this, um, uh, all the bacteria as well, you know, that when you breathe all that stuff into your lungs, it's um, it's not good. It's, it's really not good. Your lungs aren't used to that. So, look, he he was um, he was great about the whole situation uh, after the fact. I said, look, I've got all this on film. Do you want to have a look at it? And he said, yeah. And it was obviously quite traumatic for him and his, his mum and dad. He was 17. Uh, I said, look, I'm, I'd like to share this, you know, so people can learn about, you know, what to do and also, you know, how it happened and, you know, see a whole thing play out end to end and uh, he was very open to it and you now we end up sharing it around and thanks to people like you you know it's it's, it's, it's touched a lot of, lot of people and you know it's just a good reminder for people yeah, about what 100%. to do and also and, and our key learning there was I think it's just his intervals his intervals weren't when there he's, he's obviously got a good breath hold but if you're doing a two minute dive um, you know one minute or a 50 second break in between the two is nowhere near enough I, I, I operate on a at least a times two basis, and if mm. I pushed myself a times three basis, so let's just use round numbers. If I if I dive for a, a minute dive, and uh, for me, as I said, that's uh, that's a good dive for me. I I probably I probably give it two or three minutes. If mm. I it depends how I feel, if I might give it three minutes before I go mm. again. And mm. um, so, mate, that plane sort of was a tough situation. I think for me, that was uh, 
it probably wasn't quite what the doctor had said to me go back to something that gives you a bit of a bit of kind of calm after that sort of hospital issue i had but um you know just just really stoked you know he got to turn 18 the next month and they're fantastic um, and man he's, he's, and, and he's also an absolute lobster monster he um he's he's the lobster badger in our club he knows every every hole the boy's cholesterol is probably through the roof and uh, you know, he showed me a, he showed me a few of his holes as a result of uh, saving his life so uh, i yeah, much uh, I, I much prefer these stories to the other kind of stories um yeah so awesome yeah. outcome adam awesome job man and mm. um that's part of the the you know the drive of the show is sharing those sort of stories and lessons learned and um, I had a cracker last week actually on the show so uh, well well actually it'll be a few episodes by the time this comes live but um, I, I love these stories so fantastic thanks for sharing um, let's hook into your dive bag man or unless you've got that funny story for me yeah. Yeah, let's go to the dive bag. Maybe it maybe it will come out of the dive bag. Let's have a look. <laughs> it, um, well, you got the Koa spear guns that we've heard about. Yeah, got the Koa spear guns. So the lobsters I'm using LED lens. I might have to get you sponsored, man. You've you, you, you've 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 said Koa about eighteen times in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for full disclosure, I'm not sponsored by Koa. No, yeah, no, nah, it's all good. I'm, <laughs> I was just being yeah. cheeky. Mate, so for lobsters, I've just got a Rob Allen mesh uh, waste bag. Uh, much prefer that than the sort of one that you have to hold on to. I've uh, got the LED lenser 14.2 Frogman dive torch, you know, the bright yellow ones. You know, they're, they're great. They've got great warranty. I, I like them. They're nice and powerful. But I, I'm definitely in the market for a rechargeable battery um, torch this, this season. So we just okay. enter in the season. Uh, I, I, it pains me each time I've got to throw batteries out. You know, I'm pretty yeah. environmentally conscious, and it's uh, that doesn't do it for me. So, but they're great torches. But I'm definitely looking for a rechargeable. Uh, we talked a bit about uh, Kings. You know, and I talked through my my homemade flasher. I mean, that's for me. That's probably a key bit of kit when I'm diving off of Sydney for Kings. Um, so that's is that yeah, based I'm, on the is that based on the Coatsman sort of um, the Goonsack flasher video one? Yeah. yeah, just and just with a couple of tweets. So Ted, you know. Loads of experience. He said, "Stick a, a knife jig at the bottom. You know, you know, makes sense. You know, kings like knife jigs when they're when people are jigging for them." And then I've got those couple of um, mirrored uh, perspex um, sections on there as well. And mate, that seems to work so much better. And I, I bought one for the coral sea, um, and all it did was just tangle gear. And the fish, it almost repelled the fish. Mm. Whereas the boys who had made their own one, the, the fish, you know, I, I shot a sea brim, Japanese sea brim. That was literally admiring itself in the mirrored um, <laughs> perspex, uh, perspex and, yeah. I, and I unicorned it. Um, so, so I but sold that when I when I got home, and then I made my own one, and, and it's far more effective. So, yeah, nice. uh, that's one one thing I change for the coral sea next time is bring bring a homemade one. Hmm. So, I'm using um, I've got a Sunto, you know, on that uh, story. I've got a Sunto D5 watch. You know, I, I look at that. I know some people say, you know stop obsessing with your dive times and stuff for me it's more about intervals so i look at that i'm always looking at my intervals where i basically give myself a green light to dive again you know i think when you've seen a blackout firsthand you're probably a bit more um a bit more aware of um of, of those things hmm. uh on my hands uh, i've got ocean pro gloves just brought them from from ash extreme penetrative fins on the feet cressy socks you know nothing too crazy there and um, love the penetrative fins you know i've had them had them for, uh, for quite some time now They're Seem really enjoyable. Got the medium, medium thickness. I'm 78 kilos, and I know loads of people who debate about soft or medium, but medium seems to work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've got, a, I've got a pretty narrow face. I, I use a Rob Allen 
uh, snapper mask. You know, you, okay. you know, I, don't, I, I struggle to find masks to fit my face, but that's that's perfect for me. That one got so I've got a few of those. Um, How good I is it when you I, when you find a mask you like, and then you've got two brand new backups there that you've treated, so they're ready to go. A strap breaks, boom, you just chuck your new one on. I love, I love that. Straight, yeah. straight on, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and consistent gear, just using the same stuff. I love it. Mm. Mate, I did. Um, I did lose a few, a few knives. Uh, those uh, FG knives, the ones with the yellow handles. I love them, but for some yeah. reason, getting in and out of boats, I've knocked the clip and I've lost them. So, you know, after a, sort of five or six of those over a few years, I've um, I've, I've gone to that Spiro uh, Inox Italian dagger traditional kind of knife with a little rubber keeper on it, and that seems to be working for me. Mm. Um, um, does how what. Oh, okay. So it's got a keeper on it because I, I I do the same thing with my knives, but I just um grab that stretchy bungee type cord, and I just um I have like a meter that sort of comes down to about thirty centimeters, but full stretch it's about a meter, and that that seems to be as much as I ever need. And then I lock it yep. back in. But I recently lost Good one idea. in New Zealand too, and I I haven't got a bungee on my current one, but I use the same knives, the FG. Yeah. But the yep. mine's um, relabeled Adreno, but um, it's the same. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the yeah, yeah same one. I know the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I love them. I love mm, them. Just, me I just too. Kept losing them from the clip. Mm. Mm. Um, on, on my noggin, I've got got a GoPro Seven head mount. You know, I'm, same I'm as me. Filming. Yeah, good day. So how good's the one with the stabilization? The, the new one, Seven onwards. It's, uh, yeah, makes yeah. a big difference. That that hyper smooth friggin' feature is beautiful. Yep. Um, really nice footage. Yep. I, I know Trevor Ketchins bought the same one, and um, the seven and the eight, I think, are much of a muchness, though, aren't they? Is that sort of what you've seen? Yeah, I think the eight's got ever so slight better uh, color. You know, always little minor upgrades. But I think the stabilization is, is better again as well. Um, Maybe the sensors better so, or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't and, know. Who know, and who knows what the who knows what the future ones are. Mm. Um. Then you know, you know, you ask about you know anything a little different in in the gear. I've um, I've run breakaway on all of my guns, with the exception of my dirty water gun, like my shorter one for sort of inside pit water flatties and you know, sort of three to five meter viz. You know, I, people take the people take the piss out of the fact I've got um, breakaway and sort of um, in Sydney, but mate, it's just what I'm used to. I started yeah, out that yeah. way, and it and it worked it worked really well in the Coral Sea because you know. All my guns were the same. Well, that's um, beautiful for when you do finally go and do a, a fish chase, uh, you know, a trip chasing big fish because you're already um, used to it. When I went to New Zealand recently and used the breakaway, it was for the very first time. And I had trouble adapting, particularly in current and stuff. But um, yeah. it is funny what we get used to. Yeah, it is, yeah. So that, that definitely served as a, a bonus for my Coral Sea trip. You know, just mm. no change there. So I mm. think any variables you can minimise – on a trip like that, the better, you know, just as, as consistent as you used to. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but one thing I do have that, um, that seems to be really helpful is I've got one of those Rob Allen compact bags, you know, when, whenever we're climbing down the cliffs, um, you know, it's always really helpful. And often whenever we're climbing back up, I'm always carrying my mate's gear or, or fish, or whatever. So they've, they've been really good. I know, you know, people carry their own gear in own, own different ways, but I, I've really found that little bag, you know, just tucking it away over the high tide mark you know, under a rock, you know, when you're diving, it always seems to work well. The yeah, only nice. downside to those is if you're ent- entering a point and getting out a different point, you know, you've, you've got to go and retrieve your bag. But hmm. usually, usually it's uh, it's a good uh, good little bonus. Hmm. Cool. All right. Hey, I'm going to link up. We've talked about a heap 
of gear today and other shit as well, like the the Coral Sea Cowboys trip and then the blackout video. All that's going to be linked up today, noobspero.com forward slash Adam. Um, but I wanted to move into a Spiro Q&A unless you had some more gear wisdom for us. No, mate, let's just do it. Sounds good. I um, I enjoyed listening to you, Gib. Um, you've thought about a lot of the different components, which I think – we're all guilty of um, when you when we've been doing it a little while, so it's cool to compare notes. Um, all right, uh, if you could go back to when you started spearfishing all over again, what would you do differently? I'd go out with someone who's experienced um, and fast track your learning experience for sure. Okay, cool. Um, who has been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing? <laughs> it's probably two. I'd say two people. Uh, I went on a trip with the missus to the Solomon Islands, um, this, this place called Driftwood, Nico off the grid lodge with, there's a guy called Matt who runs it. You know, he's kind of real kind of quirky guy from Byron. Mm. And, um, yeah, he is a freak, freaky diver and he's able to sort of dive four minutes, uh, hunting doggies or whatever. Holy shit. And he, he did. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And he, he just said to me, he said, look, man, you've got to just switch off and sink to the bottom over here. You know, the water's warm there. And act, almost like dead, and the fish will come to you. And it took me almost three quarters of the way through that trip where I got used to what he was saying. Yeah, you know, you're almost free falling through the sharks and you get to near, near the bottom or some, you know, little, little shelf, you know, often these drop offs there of 400 meters. And it, and it works. And that was such a big, um, big, uh, big tip he gave me. So he was highly influential on that trip. Mm-hmm. And the other guy, Bretto, you know, a guy I dive with most, um, he was probably my first dive buddy, you know. You know, someone who I dive consistently with, and I and I still do. Um, you know, he's definitely been influential because I didn't I didn't know I didn't know much when I first started diving with him, and he he showed me he showed me species. You know, he's he's he's, he's, he's taught me a, a whole bunch of stuff. So I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's probably he's probably the key influential person. I'd definitely say he was a, a mentor. Um, awesome. Yeah, still would be. Mm. Yeah. Have you got a um, philosophical um, answer? Ready for? Could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you? One sentence. Yeah, for me, it's it's sustainable food. You know, I'm I'm very, as I said, environmentally conscious. Um, mm. I, I love adventure. I love the water. I love everything the ocean offers for me. It's fun from surfing perspective. It's food from spearfishing. I've got so much respect for it, and just knowing knowing what you're eating. And mm. um, yeah, you, know, you, you you can't put a price on that. You get you end up getting closer to recipes, how to prepare, how to preserve the food. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you just got so much more respect for, for what you put in your body, and and it's also you know back in the day, you know, you kind of providing as well. So, are you on my buddy's um, Facebook group? It's called Catch What You Kill. Oh, sorry, no, Eat What You Kill. No, I'll no, link that up in today's. I'll link it up in today's show notes as well. Um, Tim Caverman started that, and um, I've added okay. a few people to it, like guys that like geeking out on fish recipes and stuff, but there's like higher-end type dishes, but then there's just practical stuff. But a lot of these dudes are um, just experimenting with their seafood, and um, it's not just seafood. There's um, hunting recipes and stuff in there as well, but just fantastic for people that are uh, motivated yeah. and like doing decent stuff with fish. You're a bit spoiled down there too. You've got um, Josh Nyland, don't you? He's in your area. Have you heard of him? Well, that's awkward. I've never, ne- no, I've never heard of him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to, I need to look him up as well. Then oh, I've, talked about, I've talked about it. I've talked about it. What's his name? Josh, Josh Nyland. 
Yeah, he's got a shop down there. I think it's called the Fish Butchery, and um, his one of the central premises. Ah, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. You've referenced him before. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I've been talking about him all the time. It's like a running advertisement for 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 him and his book. Um, it's the whole fish cookbook, and I'll link that up as well. But um, this is just. Do a you want to hear? A, do you want to hear something awkward? Yeah, go. I've I've actually got the book. (laughs) 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 I got it as a Christmas present. uh, Yeah, yeah, so my bad, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit of a paradigm shift about the way we think about fish, uh, particularly the first few chapters. The recipes, I'm not too sure about, um, but the the thinking and the ideas behind it, I really enjoyed that. Hey, can people can connect with you online? Um, Absolutely. How how do they find you? They can find me. Well, I've got, I've got a YouTube channel, which is uh, Moose Adventures. So maybe we can link that up in there as well. Yeah, And that's fantastic. got like mountaineering videos. I think it's a mountain mount, uh, mountain biking as, as well as spear fishing. Yeah, yeah. And then, especially after the blackout video and the cold sea video, I had loads of people reach out on Facebook as well, you know, just asking questions. Now, my, my froth is high on this stuff. So yeah. any... Um, Anyone's got so uh, questions, you know, always uh, always feel free to ping me a message on there, uh, messenger through YouTube. Cool. Are you in um are you in the Noob Sparrow community Facebook group as well? I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. So guys can come in and chat with you on there as well. So that's pretty cool. Um awesome man. I've had a I've had a blast chatting, Adam. Um any any parting tips, guidance for uh f- for the Sparrow community? Likewise, mate. mate, what's my uh what's my point advice? I'd I'd say Always oh, going back to the notes. Join the club if you haven't already. I know um, everyone's drawn. Yeah, back to the notes, mate. I've been prepared for this. Um, look for me. For me, uh, comp diving isn't isn't the draw to a club. Um, you know, I know some people love the comps. For me personally, that isn't it. For me, it's it's the community of, of other dive buddies, you know, wealth of experience, you know, good little community. Um, that for me, from a safety perspective as well as a learning perspective, is, is the number one reason why you know, I, I encourage people to join clubs. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, I guess that's got a safety lens to it, as well as my second point. You know, have a look at that blackout video and just see, see what you can kind of learn from it. Just when when something like that happens, um, you need to need to need to be habitual. You know, mm-hmm. if you forgot a couple of those things and you've got to take someone's mask off. I mean, it's, it's a bad outcome. So mm-hmm. you know, it can't hurt to have a little, a little reminder and it's not something we see every day, but when you do see it, or if you ever see it, God forbid, um, yeah, you, you need to, you need to know what to do. So then they're my two things. Yeah. They're both safety focused. So then my last one, let's put it on a bit more of a positive upbeat finish and <laughs> keep that froth alive. I mean, it's yeah. uh, what an amazing, amazing sport and hobby to be in, uh, you know, providing your own fish, always learning, being in nature. Um, yeah, just enjoy it. That's the, that's the bulk, isn't it? Yeah, you gotta make sure we have fun. Love it. Cheers, Adam. Um, had an absolute blast, man. So, um, yeah, over and out from the Noob, from the Noob Sphere podcast. Yeah. I really enjoyed that chat with Adam today. Jeepers, what a champion. Uh, hats off, Adam. Thanks for joining me uh, for that interview. Really enjoyed the guy's guide for uh, first, first-time Blue Water Hunters, and it's inspired me. I'm still hoping to get out on my first big Blue Water trip and take down some, uh, maybe a dog tooth, but definitely a wahoo. That's been on the list for a long, 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 long time. I'm talking like episode 
I don't know, episode 10, I think I had a real, real desire to hit one. It still hasn't happened. I'm up to like episode, what are we at, 131 of these suckers. Anyway, hey, if you love the show and you listen all the time, go to patreon.com forward slash newspiro and become a patron listener. Every single dollar raised goes towards funding trips where I get to come out and interview people, um, go spearing with listeners and just hang out in your part of the world. So check it out, patreon.com forward slash newspiro. Next week, we're off to chat with Eric Allard. Oh yeah, extreme blue water spearfishing and East Africa. This is a it's a real cool episode. Patchy internet connection. I'm hoping the audio comes up well by our genius editor uh, Pat Dwyer. But let's see how it goes. I'll see you in a fortnight. Yes, that's two weeks. See you then. This episode of the Noob Spirit Podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. You might as well check out some gear while you're thinking about spearing and get an idea of what you want to buy later on down the track. Everyone's looking to upgrade something, whether it's your spear gun, your wetsuit, your float. It doesn't matter what it is. Head over to spearfishing.com.au. Fantastic reviews from a whole bunch of people just like you. People that love spearing. If you like, head into the stores, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney or Perth. There's 70 passionate team members that can give you some help, getting some idea about what to buy next. But uh, the online shopping experience is fantastic too. And if you shop online, for every purchase over $200, if you use the code NoobSpero, you save $20. Thanks for supporting the Noob Spiro podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au.